Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd speak through the portion of your word we look into this morning. I pray you would guide the sensitivities of our hearts and minds that we might hear your Spirit's voice today, that we might sense that this is a a unique Sunday in the, the list of them all through the year. And we pray that you would use this Sunday in a very special way, in this message in a unique way, to ready us for what comes ahead in the year to come. So, Father, bless us and fill our hearts. Let us hear your voice. Let this word of God become special again, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, on this last Sunday of the year, we come to the last message of this Promise of the Ages series. It's been eight weeks long. We started at the middle of uh, the beginning of November, and all the way through December here, our Christmas series, The Promise of the Ages. All the various, or at least seven, promises that God has made and given to us in one way or another that have been fulfilled and some will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I've saved this particular promise for this particular Sunday. The last Sunday of the year is always a good time for reflection and for evaluation. It's a good time for acknowledgement and for resolution. Now, we'd have to agree, I mean, nobody would disagree with this, the year 2020 has been a year like no other for all of us. It's been a year when we Americans, for instance, have become more aware than we generally are that we are part of the larger human global community. We have been thrown into the same mix of misery as the Italians and the Greeks and the Spaniards and the English and the French and the Chinese and and every other possible designation nationally of human beings. We are all in this together. That's been the theme of the year. And despite the obvious misuse of that phrase at times to promote some kind of a new world order... It is true. We are in this together. And the solutions on a global scale have been sought. We have been locked up, and businesses have been locked down, and the word normal has almost been eliminated from the dictionary. It's been an ordeal, and it will not end with the turning of the calendar page this coming Friday. The word bondage comes to mind as we ponder the circumstances of our lives and of those we love. I believe that Numa has impressed me with a a vivid parallel 
a parallel that there is between this physical pandemic that we're experiencing and the spiritual pandemic that affects so many human beings, even born-again human beings. You see, spiritually speaking, we can be just as locked up and locked down as we are physically. What the Bible would portray as normal Christian life is sad to say, not all that normal at all. And let me add, spiritual bondage is far worse than physical bondage. Spiritual bondage constricts the soul and frustrates the Spirit of God as he would work in our lives. And so this message today can, will not provide any answers to the physical bondage that we endure. Not going to tell us how to get away from it, how to escape it, what magic pill to take or what to do. Especially if we fall prey to this virus, you know, we, we're just going to physically ride it through and trust God's grace and, and that will be that. But this message can and does intend to address the spiritual bondage that's spread by the great enemy of our souls. And to that end, I would focus your attention upon promise number eight. We find it in Isaiah 61.6, our uh, promise box right here. And on the tag, we have promise number eight. The Lord has sent me, it says in Isaiah 61.1, the Lord has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, if Jesus were just appearing on earth as he did 2,000 years ago, he could actually do that physically, couldn't he? He could go to every hospital, just set all the prisoners free, just restore health. And, and he did that for many, many, many while he walked on the earth. But this is a promise that goes beyond the, the physical healing that he even brought about while he was there. And, and that God can intervene and bring healing today to some who are in dire circumstances. So nobody can just bring it to all. It is in God's plan. But the prophet promised the Lord would send one one day who would proclaim freedom for the captives and the release from darkness for the prisoners. So to use our phrase of the morning, this one to come, we could say he will be a bondage breaker. Now Isaiah was prophesying that one day <clears throat> the Lord would send one who would say those very words. See, Isaiah wrote it in the first person, but he wasn't talking about himself. He was saying there'll become, there will come one, one day, who will say, I, the Lord has sent me, this one will say. And sure enough, one day, one like that came. And here's what we read in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. It says, the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him, to Jesus, and unrolling it, Jesus found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has sent me. Right from Isaiah 61. The Lord has sent me 
to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to release the oppressed. That's a little longer passage there in Luke, but I just picked down a couple of the parts that apply to what we're talking about today. Jesus read that, and then it says, Jesus rolled up the scroll, handed it to the attendant of the synagogue, and he sat down. Everyone's eyes were fastened on him. Like, what is he going to say? What's he going to say about this promised one that Isaiah wrote about 600 years earlier? And so looked, they fastened their eyes on him and they waited. It says, and then he said, this day, this day, this scripture that they've read their whole lives. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has sent me. Jesus is saying, that is me. And today, I am announcing that I am the one who has been sent. And using those phrases... He had come as God's bondage breaker. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. To release those who are oppressed. Remember these words he would speak later in his ministry? Recorded in John 8, 36. It says, now if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus was intending to have a ministry of breaking the things that had holds upon people. The bondage that people found themselves in. And these were spiritual bondages. He didn't free the nation from the bondage of Rome. Politically, they, they were unchanged. Even when Jesus ascended to heaven, they were still under Roman rule. But he left in his train thousands of people that he had set free from the kind of bondage that would just destroy them spiritually and would frustrate them and thwart them. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, in light of this promise that the Father has made and that Jesus Christ has fulfilled, let me draw your attention this morning to today's year-ending key concept. We'll express it this way. Human beings. Would all human beings in this room please raise your hand? Okay. You were all up there confidently. Sometimes I say that and you're like, well, is this a trick question? Our concept says human beings, even born-again human beings. That's probably all of us in this room. We've accepted Christ as our Savior. The Holy Spirit has come into our life and given us new life, spiritual life, and planted it right inside our physical being. And we understand the difference between our physical being and our spiritual being. Our physical being stays just what it is. However old we are, we don't get any younger when we get saved. 
Whatever physical shape we're in, we don't immediately get physically better and stronger when we get saved. When we get saved, when the Holy Spirit brings new spiritual life to us, he implants that right inside our, our physical being. And it's that spiritual life that becomes his target. That spiritual life is designed to grow and develop and to make us, with the help of the Holy Spirit, more and more like the, the godly life that Jesus lived. And inside, like the Apostle Paul said one time, he said, man, outwardly, I'm just wasting away. I'm just wearing out a little more every day. But inside, I am growing, being renewed spiritually. And so we say, human beings, even born again human beings who have spiritual life placed in them, still experience and can experience bondages of various kinds. Bondages that can inhibit them. Can you just get in the way of them trying to do what they want to do and what they think they ought to do? That frustrate, that bring disappointment and even disaster at times to one's earthly life. These are the types of things that cause us to say, why did I do that? As we come to the end of an old year, we look back. We always do. We evaluate. Why did I do that back there in June? Why did I make that decision? Why did I I allow myself to get so worked up and, and maybe even it ruined a friendship? Why did I do that? Or we can say, why didn't I take advantage of that? There was an opportunity. Man, it would have just made a great... Everybody said it would have helped, but I just ignored it. I walked away from it. I I didn't involve myself in it. I didn't want to get uh, caught up in, why did I do that? Or why didn't I take advantage of that? And looking back, we can see the thing that I did do really brought a mess. And the thing that I didn't do could have been a real blessing. We say, why? Why was I not able to function properly in the one situation and function, you know, positively and confidently and aggressively in the other situation? It could have made such a difference. But what stopped me? You see, it's our identification of these things and our sober evaluation of them that usually cause people to make a New Year's resolution. We look back and say, boy, this year. This year, if I'm ever in that situation, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to have such a knee-jerk reaction. I'm not going to just fly off the handle. I'm not going to do that stupid thing. I'm not going to buy a brand new car when I hadn't even checked out whether I could make the payments or if it was a valuable and trustworthy vehicle. Make a resolution to not do what I did this last year that messed me up, or a resolution that if an opportunity comes this year, I'm going to be open to it. I'm not just going to automatically just turn my back and ignore it. And so we make resolutions. And then we joke about them, don't we? Most of them don't last to the 1st of February. But the fact that we make them says we do recognize 
that sometimes we're our own worst enemy. There are things in us, even as Christians, that get in the way, that inhibit us, that frustrate, that bring disappointment, and sometimes even, at least a small d, disaster. Just a mess. And so this morning, I want to do focus on four, four of those kinds of things, four types of bondages that can mess up earthly life. And you and I both know a lot of these things are rooted all the way back in our childhood. And they, they, they determine how we view ourselves. And how we view ourselves frequently uh, determines how we behave. But I thought I'd just share four of these. They're pretty, pretty common. So we're not going to give a big, uh, a big explanation about all of them, but I want to get to the one solution for all of them that comes through our Savior. So here we go. I just mentioned them. What a person who's caught up in this kind of bondage might say and see if any of these words sound familiar to you. If they do, if they are affecting you and serving to mess up aspects of your life, then resolve to take the steps we suggest at the end of this message this morning. But here's one. The bondage of inferiority. I can't do it. I can't do anything right. My knee-jerk reaction is to say no to any new opportunity. The last thing I need <clears throat> is a, a new opportunity to show what a failure I am. I'm just going to stay clear of any of that because I, I know I can't. I can never pull anything off. I, I can never really be successful at anything. I just try to stay below the radar because actually... Um, I'm, I'm just a failure looking for a, an opportunity to show it. Sometimes those words, I can't do it, I can't do anything right, they actually have the, they sound like somebody else's voice. Maybe a parent that said that to you. It'd be terrible when a parent says to a child, you, you can't do anything right. You'll never amount to anything. Sometimes when we say that to ourselves, it doesn't sound like our own voice, really. It, it sounds like the voice that we've heard. Maybe it was a school teacher who belittled us. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was just whatever adult that seemed to have some kind of authority, and they made a statement that we took to heart, and as far as we're concerned, they defined us. And we define ourselves. I can't do it. And we lock ourselves into kind of a, a prison. It's a bondage. It's a bondage when people feel they're inadequate, when they feel they can't do anything, when they're always going to mess up and they're just trying to have as few messes as possible. And, and that's the way they go through life. And they're bound up in that feeling, that identity of inferiority. Another one we have here, it's just the opposite, the bondage of superiority. The first is that I can do anything. I can do anything. I'll never admit to needing help of any kind because I, I got it all together. I have a younger brother. He used to go around our house when he was quite young. 
singing this song, I'm Mr. Wonderful. Sang it all the time. Now, we used to bug him, my older brother and I. He was, I'm a year and a half older, younger than my older brother, and I was three years older than my younger. And so he was kind of the, we too had some things going on, and he was kind of trying to carve out his own space in the, in the family. And uh, we were involved in sports and various things, always a few years ahead of him, so he wasn't up to. And he would go around the house, yelling, singing at the top of his lungs. I'm Mr. Wonderful. Just to get our goat, and he did. There are people who go through life that way. And actually do believe it. Now, when I wrote this down, I thought back. My mind went back about 30 years to a high school boy that I knew. And this high school boy was a pretty smart kid. And he was the son of very smart parents. And his father said about him one day something that wasn't very smart. The father said about this young man, this high school freshman at the time, in his hearing, he said this, my son is so smart, he doesn't even have to study. He doesn't have to open a book. He just, it, he just absorbs it. You know, in class, he's so smart, he doesn't even have to study. He can ace every test. And the boy heard him say that. And the boy took that to heart. And began to believe that must be true. This is what my father said. And so he just quit studying. Took his tests, and his grades, you know, went down precipitously. And now he's faced with poor grades, but because his father said he's so smart he doesn't need to study, how, how do you then start studying? And he got caught in an emotional roller coaster that he actually had to pull out of school and take about a year to get himself emotionally put back together because he was under bondage of this superiority notion that uh, he was trying to live within that little box that unfortunately his father had put him in, that there was no room to, to really function. That can be a bondage. You know, to just believe that, you know, you don't need help. You're capable of anything. And you can take on anything. And that can, that can skew your view of life and of yourself, and it can bring great uh, problems to you, even as it did to this young man. Who, by the way... Once getting recalibrated, he's an outstanding young adult right now and is doing marvelously and using all that natural intelligence he has in a very, a very wonderful profession. But back when he was a ninth grader, it almost did him in. That can be a bondage. People that 
tell you things like that. And then how about this one? Number three, the bondage of guilt and shame and regret. This is a person who's had a track record in life, and they might say something like this to themselves, <clears throat> sometimes to another person. My past behavior completely disqualifies me for life's blessings. And that's especially sad when it's a believer who says that. Now, their past behaviors, their past misdeeds, their past sins, usually are very helpful to let them know they need a savior. You don't have to convince them they're a sinner. They know they're a sinner. And when they come under the teaching of God's word, they realize that their life has been an insult to God. And they, they fall on their knees and they ask God to forgive them. And they, getting saved is the easier part. But they can't get past the shame, the guilt, the regret of what's on their resume. They don't really come to understand that Christ has cleansed them of that. And they forever hold that over themselves. And, and as a result, they never can move on into the fullness of the Christian life. They hardly move on into the, the Christian life at all. They're just so glad they're saved, as unworthy as they are. A person like that may even say something like this. I almost rejoice in my mess-ups and failures when they come now because they serve to prove my point that I am unworthy. See, some people are those who are forever punishing themselves for past mistakes. It can become a terrible bondage. And then number four, <clears throat> I just mentioned this as a category, the bondage of self-destructive behaviors. A person might say, I find these behaviors to provide diversion and momentary pleasure, though they do add to my load of guilt and shame and regret. Most noticeable among these might be excessive eating or drinking or seeking diversion and pornography or an actual sexual misconduct. Gambling has also destroyed far more than one life. These are frequently called addictive behaviors, the kind of things that just grab a hold of us and we get into bondage to them. And once being bound, it's pretty hard to get free. All of these are the kinds of things that can put a born-again Christian into a spiritual ICU unit. They create great spiritual weakness and struggle. So deliverance is needed. And deliverance is exactly what our Heavenly Father has provided. There's only one solution needed, one single solution for all of them, and it's this, come to Christ. Come to Christ, recognize him as your bondage breaker. This is what we need to tell people who are wrapped up in stuff. Maybe brand new Christians you're trying to encourage and they're so caught up in guilt over the past.
Christians who have these notions about themselves, they see themselves not as a child of God, but as a fallen uh, human being in this world still, and they, they, they think that they're hopeless, they're unworthy, they're all these things, and, and we want to say to them, come to Christ and recognize him as your bondage breaker, not just your savior, but your bondage breaker. A couple of steps here we have on your outline. Number one, allow his spirit <clears throat> to open your eyes to your bondage. Chances are you never saw this bondage as a spiritual problem. Some people confuse that inferiority thing with humility. They never think that's a spiritual problem. It's getting in God's way, but it is. And it's not humility. It's a, it's a twisted view of yourself. We say, look at this situation through Numa's eyes, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. It frustrates his ability to nurture you into Christ-likeness. This is what we need to tell people who are, who are caught up in these things. Tell ourselves if, if we really have some of this in our own life. Allow his spirit to open your eyes to your bondage, to say you are living in bondage. That's a first great awareness. Secondly, confess your need of deliverance. I need to get free from that. This thing's holding me back. This view of me that I've, I've always said about myself and said about myself, it doesn't match up with the word of God, but it, it's what I keep saying to myself. I need to be set free from that. Admit that these things, whatever they are, these attitudes, even these behaviors, do indeed have you bound up and locked down Honestly admit that deliverance is needed. I need to get free from this. That's a huge step. Because for many people, what we're calling bondage today, they just consider something of their life. It's who I am. It's how things are. It's a big step to admit that thing as being a God-dishonoring thing as being a Holy Spirit frustrating thing, as being a thing that I need to be set free from when I just think it's me, it's who I am. Confess your need of deliverance and then put your life entirely in Christ's hands, administered on this earth by his Holy Spirit. Numa is the one that the bondage breaker Jesus himself has sent into our lives to set us free from all that would mess up our lives. There's not a single thing that might be messing up our life or the life of someone that you care about that is, is part of God's plan for them. If it's messing up their life, it is of the enemy and Numa has been sent to deal with it and to give you freedom from it. Put your life entirely in his hands. Establish a daily routine. This is a good thing to think about at the beginning of a brand new year. Establish a daily routine. Paul says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He's actually with you. 
He's been given to you. He wants to guide you and lead you. And the scripture says, well, just keep in step with him. Don't drag him along with you where you're going. You walk along with where he would lead you. Because he will lead. Learn to hear his voice. He speaks for the Lord Jesus. Let his voice replace those voices from the past. The echoes of those people who who kind of formed your attitude about yourself. Let the Spirit's voice replace those. And let his view of you become yours. Now, this is something the Holy Spirit can do. This is what he's been sent to do. To conform us, to bring us in line with the truth of God. The truth regarding ourselves, the truth regarding this world, the truth regarding God's plan for us, all of the truth of God, the Holy Spirit would be bringing us into a line, alignment with it. And then we say, then, watch his spirit, Christ's spirit, release you and renew you. And that's what we've been seeking to do for the last number of years here in this church, to find ways Find ways to make the Holy Spirit so familiar to us that we can actually watch him change us. Expect him to change us and see him doing it and to sense his presence um, in a day-by-day way. Hear his voice. If our little nudges and hugs help you do that, by golly, read them every day and get familiar with his voice and his biblical counsel uh, to us. And all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden, over time, the voices in your head that tell you who you are and what you are become his. And it's what the Spirit says to you that you mostly hear yourself. And then the transformation's underway. Now you're becoming a child of God, You're being set free from these earthly bondages that would frustrate the work of God, and you're actually just enjoying more and more and more life as a child of God. That's what we desire to do. So we come to the final thought this morning, and it just says this, as we count down to the new year, our promise of the ages is a genuine bondage breaker. Jesus Christ. He liberates and he rejuvenates. What a way to start a new year. What a way to just start every day, year around. Realize that if there's something that is hindering that growth in grace we ought to have, Jesus Christ would seek to to free us from it. Trust him. Ask him. Asking for insight into it and then Call it by its right name. A God-hindering thing in my life that I do not want there anymore. Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ, you have given us all that we need. And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have all that is in Jesus Christ. And his life, can begin to flow into us. 
we can be defined really as children of God in this world. And bondage, bondage becomes a thing of the past. Father, I thank you for the, the beauty of this congregation of believers. I thank you for the freedom from bondage that, that I've seen in, in all of us over these last years. And I pray that our message might go out into this community this year, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, even in the midst of circumstances that, that people are bound up by, even their bondage to fear. And may they find in us a freedom from that. May, may they find in us a... Uh, even a joy in the goodness of God who has set us free from this. And Father, grant us productive ministry. May the Spirit of Christ be seen in us and through this congregation that there would be many others around who are drawn to Christ. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.